Hello and welcome to How to Win Arguments with Numbers. We look at how statistics can inform our understanding of the human world. I'm your host, Jack Bridgewater. Today we talk to Josh Townsley from the University of Warwick about campaigns. Why do parties campaign? Do campaigns make a difference? And as we enter a world where the internet and social media are increasingly important, how can we update our understanding? So thanks for coming on the podcast, Josh. So if we could begin then by you telling us a little bit about your research in general, and then we'll move on to campaigning after that. Hi, Jack. Thanks. Um, So generally speaking, uh, I I tend to sort of research like how electoral campaigns kind of work and the sort of effect they have on sort of general political behavior, how people react to them. Uh, So like, for instance, I've looked at, you know, what sort of effects being contacted by a party has on how likely you are to vote, what sort of messages uh, parties and candidates use when they contact voters in like in their election communications and how much parties spend on campaigns, all these sort of things. Campaigning is, you know, there's so much money in campaigning and it's such a big part of kind of our political sphere. But there's lots of evidence to suggest that campaigns have a, 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 mi- a minimal effect. Obviously, there's some evidence to the contrary as well. So my, I guess my first question is, why do parties bother campaigning at all? Yeah, no, that, that's a really good question. And I think, well, basically, starting from the basics. So parties really campaign with two goals in mind. So firstly, they want to persuade undecided voters over to their side, which seems pretty pretty basic. That's kind of what we all think of when we think of political campaigns, right? Uh, But the second goal is to sort of encourage those who are already persuaded to then actually go and vote. So in other words, sort of mobilizing supporters, so to speak. Um, So I guess while the nitty gritty kind of local campaigns, they tend to be kind of unlikely to sway an entire election, as you say, the effects can be kind of minimal. Um, But they do kind of make the difference of maybe a few hundred or a few thousand votes, which might not sound like much, but that can determine the winner in sort of close seats and close elections, right? So if we take the last general election as an example, uh, it obviously resulted in in a hung parliament. Uh, The government quite literally could have been decided by whether or not a couple of dozen seats swung one way or the other between Labour and the Conservatives. And those seats could, you know, because they're marginal seats, would quite easily have been decided by maybe a couple of hundred, maybe even less, or a thousand or so votes. Uh, and in those kind of cases, campaigns are particularly important. They can quite literally decide the outcome of an election in terms of sort of making the difference at the margins, so to speak, where it really matters. So do you think there's a difference then between um, the importance of localised campaigns? So how much money MPs get to spend and how much money they can raise and, and how they choose to campaign versus um, just national campaigns, you know, uh, national advertisements debates things like yeah that. absolutely and i mean um no it's a good it's a good kind of um sort of axis on which on which to uh, analyze these things because uh for a long time it was kind of assumed that uh elections were basically decided on what what you know they tend to call the fundamentals the kind of how popular the government is and whether the economy is doing well or not and you know whether the leader is popular these these sort of basic kind of fundamental things that were kind of national level factors, so to speak. And they were the things that ultimately decided which way an election went. And that is still kind of true, really. But um, we've now kind of begun to appreciate that 
campaigns do kind of make a difference sort of at the margins, like I say. Um, but also the kind of how campaigns are run has changed a lot over time. And it's kind of gone are the days where sort of every little local town and local constituency has its own little campaign and and they sort of work on the, as their own sort of little universe. Uh, whereas now it's far more joined up. And so this this sort of distinction between the national and the local uh, has blurred quite a lot in recent years. So, you know, national parties, they're, they're very they're very centralized in terms of how the campaigns are run and things like that. Uh, so they can really coordinate the sort of what messages are being deployed on the ground door to door. They can coordinate those messages at the national kind of level based on what the national messages are and making sure everything's sort of in sync. Uh, so there is, a bit, there is a bit of a blurring between the local and the national now. What kind of campaigning is effective in general? Um, well, this is kind of a bit of a, a bit of a golden question and kind of a big body of research has developed around this. Um, generally speaking, we, we tend to find that the more sort of personal campaigning is, the more powerful it will be. And by personal, I, I usually mean sort of face to face contacts, you know, what the Americans kind of call grip and grin uh, between sort of party activists and candidates and voters. Um, so in, in this kind of area of research, social scientists have tend to kind of analyze, you know, either survey sort of data sets that measure how much you know voter contact is taking place. Uh, but also there's been a vast number of experiments that have been run that sort of test different types of contacts like leaflets or phone calls or door knocking uh, and the effect that they all have on voter turnout. Uh, and like I say, the consensus from this research is that door to door canvassing tends to work better than, say, phone calls, which in turn tend to work better than sort of totally impersonal uh, messages uh, and modes like leaflets and letters and things like that. But that said, I mean, there are a number of sort of other variables at play here. So like, we know a lot that we know that like phone calls are more effective when they come from like a local volunteer rather than a professional phone bank, for example. Uh, we also know that like modes that we would normally think aren't very effective, like letters or leaflets, can be more effect effective when they sort of tap certain kind of social pressure messaging, for example, like sending sending them to a house sending letters to a household that compare the recipient's past turnout record to that of their neighbors kind of thing sort of exerting a sort of social pressure social norms on people and all these sort of uh sort of dark kind of uh strategies can work can work quite well so to talk a little bit about because i know you had a recent paper um on this topic so could you just briefly talk about the um the paper you did on um, leaflets versus face-to-face uh, -face contact. Yeah, so um, I, I, so a lot of these experiments that kind of exist at the moment, uh, they tend to sort of test what we sort of call non-partisan campaign activities. So these might be sort of testing the effect of letters from, say, a trade union or something like that. And they also tend to mostly be based in the US. Um, so what I kind of wanted to do with my study is look at whether campaign contact from an actual political party uh, in a UK context uh, kind of worked and what sort of what sort of had an effect. Uh, so I took um, a list of uh, registered voters in, in a local authority. I had about six and a half thousand uh, and I randomly assigned them into three groups. So one group uh, got a leaflet. Uh, one group got a leaflet followed by a knock at the door, like a canvas visit from a from a local volunteer. And the third group uh, didn't get anything. They were, they were like a control group, so to speak. 
Uh, and basically, I found that the groups that were either assigned to get a leaflet or a leaflet, villa, leaflet visit, a leaflet followed by a canvas visit, sorry, uh, were both about four percentage points more likely to vote than the control group. Um, so I basically, I found that that party contact does increase turnout in in the UK. So what's what's going on there then? Do you think what, why why is that the case? Well, uh, there's kind of lots of lots of sort of theories that could, that could sort of explain what's happened there. I mean, from a kind of basic level, it could just be that. Uh, so the election was a relatively kind of low turnout election. It was not many people were voting anyway, because it was a local election. Um, so it might have just been that getting a leaflet through the door or, you know, a nice friendly volunteer knocking at the door, asking you, you know, uh, how you're planning to vote. Um, could have just reminded people that there was an election on in the first place. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, rule that out as being being the main explanation, um, to, to be honest. Um, and it just kind of reminded people, oh, yeah, I do need to vote in next week's elections. And they just they just did. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you was, um, so a lot of this literature on campaigning focuses on get out the vote, which if people aren't familiar with that, it's just basically the term applied to um, campaigns, uh, persuading people to come out and vote, not necessarily vote in a certain direction, but just come out and, and vote. Um, do you think there's less focus on whether it changes, campaigns change people's mind from one party to another just because that's a more complicated thing to work out uh yeah absolutely um and that's a really good really good question because as you say we know a lot about you know all these experiments and studies they, they often tend to measure sort of whether someone votes or not and the big sort of unknown is well how do they vote you know if you get a contact from the labor party are you more likely to vote or you just are you more likely to vote labor um you know the alternative being you get a leaflet from the Labour Party and that reminds you to go out and vote for the Tories, you know, or, or whatever. Uh, so that's there's always, you know, we, we kind of don't know this. I mean, the big problem here from a sort of research perspective is that it's quite hard to measure at an individual level how people vote short of running a survey. Um, so when we sort of run field experiments, we tend to rely on sort of administrative records uh, that are kept by local authorities and councils that will say that will record whether people voted. Uh, but they don't record how people voted. And that's kind of the next big leap that we kind of need to figure out as, as social scientists um, in terms of, you know, measuring choice, vote choice. Right. I mean, people have found uh, started exploring like ways around it. So there's been a few studies that look at whether um, turnout, you know, whether you can increase turnout by. Based on how they have voted in the past or how they said they would vote in the past. So if you've got a group of people that, you know, tend to vote Labour, you could kind of infer that they did vote Labour if you mobilise them. But again, it's it's making, you know, it's making a jump there. Because I suppose a lot of focus in media coverage sometimes is on swing voters. But actually, swing voters, as a percentage of the electorate, are quite small, right? The, the main thing is just mobilising your base. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I guess like a really good contemporary example would be looking at the elections, the US midterm elections that are going on now that, you know, what we're seeing in American politics is that the kind of electorate is more polarized than they have been in, you know, maybe living memory, maybe ever uh, since the Civil War. Uh, and that, you know, you've got two camps of you're either Democrat or you're Republican. And there's very little that are kind of gray areas in between. And so the election inevitably becomes about mobilizing your own people. 
getting your own vote out as opposed to winning over the small group of voters that are kind of genuinely pretty torn between the two. And I guess um, a lot of the, if you look at, you know, predictions of the US midterms, we talked about it on this this podcast as well, a lot of the unknown surrounding, you know, are the Democrats going to have a good night or an excellent night seems to be the, the question. Um, a lot of that surrounds who actually is going to come out to vote, which kind of what what demographics will come out to vote rather than will people change their minds? Yeah, definitely. And like a, a lot of the sort of obviously we're recording just before the elections take place, but a lot of the sort of early vote numbers seem to suggest that a lot of young people are coming out to vote in the midterm elections and that the turnout among younger voters is way up on what it was, you know, a few years ago. Uh, so that could bode well for Democrats, right? Younger people tend to lean uh, a bit more left, so they tend to be more likely to vote Democratic. So suggestions might be that that might help the Democrats. So a lot of the people I've had on this podcast, we've talked may- mainly about uh, research that has used observational data, so pre-existing surveys, uh, and, and has, has looked at data that has come from that. So because you have worked uh, with an experiment. I just wanted to talk a bit about what the advantages are of experiments in political science, because uh, it's, you know, experiments in social science are becoming a bigger thing. And I just wanted to talk about what we can gather from an experiment that we can't maybe gather from a survey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, experiments are kind of, seem to be kind of on the on the rise in social science research and uh, political science research for sure um I, I i think the main thing that motivates you know the use of experiments as opposed to sort of observational research uh would be the sort of their ability to kind of determine causality this idea of not just two things kind of occurring at the same time so that you, we can test for a, an association between them uh, rather kind of manipulating a cause and seeing if the effect varies right so Experiments in social science are really kind of based on the same principles that traditional scientific experiments are based, so to speak. So, you know, you'd gather a list of subjects. Um, they're then kind of randomly assigned to different groups. Uh, each group would then sort of be administered a slightly different treatment or one group gets a treatment while another doesn't. Uh, and then the outcome of each group is measured. And, you know, the average treatment effects can then be sort of gathered based on a comparison between the groups, right? So, so for example, you know, going back to the get out the vote stuff, you might find, you know, you give one group a letter asking them to vote, another group might get a phone call asking them to vote, the third group might get nothing at all. And then the difference in turnout rates between the three groups after the treatments uh, would then represent the effects that the treatments have on the turnout. So the idea is that because the subjects were kind of randomly assigned to each group, we would expect kind of all other factors that might also affect their turnout to be balanced between the groups, right? So, you know, the main difference there between that and kind of an observational study would be instead of kind of controlling for these other variables, it's kind of they're controlled for through the research design itself in an experiment. So what do we what do we know? What what would you like to know about campaigns that we don't already know? What where is the space in the literature to exploit? Uh, well, I guess from my perspective, I suppose there's kind of two things. I mean, the first that we've already talked about would be, when, you know, coming up with better ways to measure in, in experimental research, 
how people vote, not just whether they vote or not. That would kind of be the first thing that I'd really like to look at. You know, being able to make a claim of, okay, if I get three leaflets through my door at an election, how how many more percentage points likely am I to vote for that party, not just vote, right? That would be the first thing. And I guess the second thing would be, you know, it's kind of related to the sort of challenging thing about campaign research generally is that kind of as communication technology and parties kind of change over time, so do their campaigning styles, right? So the kind of struggle to keep up, research has to kind of keep up with what parties are doing is, is can be quite difficult. So the main one, Yeah, I was going to ask about the internet and how that has... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the main development in recent years is the growth of exactly that, internet, social media, fake news, all these things online. Um, you know, how are these things being used by campaigns? How do they affect turnout? How How do voters use this kind of information to kind of help them make their decisions about who to vote for. These are all kind of very much questions that are kind of academics, you know, some good people are, are working on right now and they'll definitely be, you know, a big thing going forward. The other thing about social media, right, is that it can kind of introduce new sort of social networks to people within which kind of, you know, friends, family, but also like strangers can kind of influence one another, which is not really stuff, that, you know, something we're kind of used to. Um, like what's the effect of seeing that a friend has shared an article that's anti-Brexit, for example? Like, you know, what effect will updating your status to say you voted have on your Facebook friends to vote? You know, all these sort of things. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely the next the next kind of topic of research that, that, that we kind of need to look at. I suppose as our interactions move increasingly online, then research has to go that way as well, right? Yeah, it's kind of constant struggle to kind of keep up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I just wanted to ask Josh, is there evidence to suggest that campaigns are going to play an increasingly important role or do we not know that? Um, I guess to an extent we kind of kind of torn on that. I, I guess to an extent we kind of can't know. Uh, obviously, don't want to get into the kind of predictions game. Um, but I think, I mean... If you just take, you know, the results of kind of recent general elections and things just in the UK, um, they're close. And, and just from the sort of simple kind of standpoint that, you know, if elections are close, all, all factors are more important because anything could, could just tip the balance one way or another. Um, you know, if we've got a, a hung parliament at the next election, the next government will literally be decided by a handful of constituencies and they will be decided by a handful of voters one way or the other and like you know the ability of one candidate's campaign to to get their voters out to the polls you know if you can do that at a slightly better rate than someone else than the next guy then you know you're going to be more likely to win uh so i guess you know as long as you know elections are, are, are close campaigns are always going to be kind of important in the sense that they sort of make the difference at, at those at those fine margins okay well that was really interesting josh and um thanks for coming on the podcast thanks a lot cheers that was how to win arguments with numbers which is a production by the q step center at the university of Kent. thanks again to josh townsley for coming on the podcast next week we will be analyzing the results of the u.s midterms 